Welcome back to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. You know, we couldn't do these without the incredible support of our sponsors. And we want to take a moment to say thank you to all of them. First, thanks to our diamond sponsor, Varsity Brands, including BSN Sports, Varsity Spirit, and Hearth Jones. Varsity Brands, elevating student experiences in sport, spirit, and achievement. We also want to thank our great platinum sponsors, including our newest sponsor, Booster Digital Displays. Revolutionize your game day experience with Booster Digital Displays. We also want to thank Ephesus Lighting, innovating a brighter future at every level. Hometown ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing. Vital Signs, bring student achievements to life. Gipper, sports graphics made incredibly simple. And Camp Mobile, where leaders communicate better. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. Our guest today is Shay Collins. Shay is a certified athletic administrator, and she is the director of student activities at Midlothian High School in Midlothian, Virginia. Shay, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Jake, for having me, Mr. Von Shear, <laughs> for having me on the podcast. I certainly appreciate it, and I'm honored to be here. So thank you so much. Well, we've, uh, again, we talked about a little bit before we came on, uh, you know, we've kind of traded uh, Twitter posts and LinkedIn messages. So uh, it's great to have a chance to finally talk with you. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, as you know, it's a busy time of year uh, for athletic directors. For our listeners, we're recording this on April 7th. So let's go and jump right into it. Uh, we always like to let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests. So tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, where you went to school, and you know how your journey has led you to uh, your current position at Midlothian. All right. So um, actually, I was born in Seaford, Delaware, and then we moved to Virginia to high school. I left. I went to Virginia State University, the Virginia State University, um, home of the Trojans. And I went to Virginia State. I stayed there for my bachelor's degree in biology pre-med. I continued and went straight through to get my master's degree in biology pre-med or biology actually. Then I left Virginia State University, started teaching. I, um, my first teaching job was in Prince George, Virginia, Prince George County High School. I was actually a middle school teacher, seventh grade, and then I moved back to the high school. I was actually a JV girls basketball coach for one year. Then I transitioned uh, to the high school as the uh, varsity coach. And so I've taught all levels of science um, that you can possibly think of. And at, during this transitional time from middle school to high school, then I uh, once teaching and coaching, then I got into athletic administration. So, and that's why I've been ever since. You know, I always love to hear the stories. And, uh, you know, my first, you know, full-time job was uh, at the middle school level and I just loved it. Um, you know, I, I climbed the coaching ladder, but uh, as far as teaching, uh, really enjoyed working with that middle school age. They are uh, definitely different. <laughs> I taught uh, middle school for three years, uh, life science. It was, it really wasn't, 
I think an educational experience for me as well, because I was coming out of college and I was teaching middle school, having those kids versus having the larger kids, they used to call them large kids then, but having the older kids um, to teach, it was, I think it helped ground me a lot. Um, and I learned some kids and I actually picked up one of my basketball players and she was cheering for her, uh, the, the high school, she was in eighth grade. And I went up to her and I said, hey, and I looked up to her, she was tall girl. And I said, hey, you play basketball? She was like, no, I play for my church. I said, well, you'll be playing for me and you will never cheer again. And so, so I think it was great that I was at the school because had I, had I not been there and saw her as an eighth grader, I would have never had as one of my posts, but she was an awesome young lady, had never really played basketball and turned out to be a great basketball player and went on to Mary Washington and play basketball. So um, it was a great experience. I would say in middle school then. So. Yeah. And, and again, those are the great types of stories, you know, taking a kid and helping them, you know, find Absolutely. what their gifts really are. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, bringing them away from the dark side of cheerleading. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I cheered one year, so I'm not going to go there, but I will say it was one year and that was it. Oh, it's as, as an AD, you know what I'm talking about. It's, it's not the yes. cheerleaders. It's those cheerleader moms. You oh yeah. For. Yeah. Well, Talk a little bit about that transition from varsity coach into athletic director and, and maybe some of the uh, uh, the challenges as well as maybe some successes that you experienced. Well, I will say um, I was in Prince George High School, as I stated previously, JV coach for one year and then varsity for the next eight. When I uh, got the job, it was funny how I got it, actually. The lady was leaving, so I applied for the job. I didn't think I was going to get it. Because, you know, they're like, oh, she's a young girl. She's not going to do anything with the girls. And, you know, I was pretty much, for the most part, watched uh, as a varsity coach there because Prince George at the time had never had an African-American female as a head coach there ever. Um, so I was the first Black female they've ever had. So I think it was more of watching to see what she's going to do, quote unquote, with those girls. And I took that as a challenge because I said, if you want a show, I'm going to give you one. And so... Every year, um, it was definitely a challenge to say, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do different? What can I do next? And it was very much a family-oriented um, job. And I will say that when I got the job, I didn't get to pick my assistant coach. My assistant coach was given to me. And my AD said, here's your assistant coach. And the assistant coach had, and people are going to watch this, which is awesome, because they probably never heard this story. So... Um, she had coached the team years before. Um, so she was more of a seasoned uh, lady um, and she was my assistant coach. Never got to pick my, never picked a coach the entire time I coached. She stayed with me the entire time that I coached. And so my other assistant coach was one of our school custodians, one of my best friends. He loved those kids, but I couldn't pay him. Because at that time, you can't pay an hourly person. He also helped with football. He helped with track. The kids loved him. He was an awesome asset to me and being on that team where sometimes, you know, kids don't want to talk to their coach about stuff. They go talk to the next person. They're going to say yes. And that person comes back to the head coach. Hey, so-and-so says this, you know. So being there, it really helped to ground me as, I think, as an athletic uh, director, let alone a professional at that time, because I was grooming kids then where people weren't even grooming kids, you know, grooming them to not just be in high school, but go on to college. And if you want to play, I got you. I'm going to help you. So 10 of my girls went on to play college basketball from every level, D1, D2, 
all the way to D3. And it was a matter of helping them, making sure that they were going to be successful, you know, instilling their parents, I will take care of your daughter. If you let me coach her, I will take care of her. But I, I need to coach her. I don't need you to tell me the coaches and I will take care of your child if you put them in our possession. And it was to the point where sometimes I would tell the parents at the beginning of the meeting, hey, if you think your daughter should play 20 minutes, 30 minutes, you might want to take them with you because that we're going to decide how to get the best out of them. And I will say my parents were very supportive of us. We had, um, we were, didn't have a losing season. We climbed the ladder every year, every year, every year. We did better. We did better. We had one of the best school records of 24 and three one year. I mean, just having the kids to grind. And it wasn't like in Prince George, we would get these athletes because we didn't. It was more so whoever came to the school. A um, couple of times we, would, we could, you know, pull from, let's say, uh, Fort Lee, because um, we had a, a military base there. But it wasn't like you got athletes, you got whoever came. And so trying to make those young ladies understand athletics, why I'm pushing you, you know, they would say, coach is crazy, just do it. She's hard enough, she's crazy, just do it, because coach is crazy. But it was getting the most out of them at all times. And I remember we were, you know, in a situation where we're in a uh, district game and we were playing Meadowbrook. I'll never forget it. We were playing Meadowbrook at Hopewell High School. And that year I had lost, you know, all of my kids that were playing like the year before. And I had suspended a young lady who was 5'11 because she didn't want to come to practice. And, uh, and she didn't want to get on the bus to a game and keep stats because my, my rule was you don't practice, you don't play. It didn't matter if you score 50, you score 20, you score five points. You didn't practice, you didn't play. It didn't matter to me. She didn't want to go. So I said, you can't come back. She was like, okay, well, I'm not going. I said, okay, it's cool. Three days later, she comes back. Coach, can I play? I said, no, I'm good. I'm going to win with or without you. That young lady came to almost every game we had, was sitting in the stands and watch us. And so we're at this final game, district game. And, you know, you got your game playing, coach, you ready. You know, you think that the kids got it. And they didn't have it. The first quarter, we were losing 8 to 24. I was like, oh, my God, what is going on? Well, I mean, I said a few other things that weren't curse words, though. But And I've been some players. So at that moment, I think I knew that I could get kids to listen to me. We ended up winning the game, you know, and the team was yelling and screaming. The other team, they were yelling. The parents were yelling and screaming, like, go team, you know. My parents are still trying to yell for us, but we're like losing. And so I knew then that if I put 100% into it, my kids will give me 100%. And ever since then, anywhere that I've gone and I've tried to mature young people, they follow. So as I became an athletic director, and it was by the grace of God, I will say it, that my first principal, Jafar Baraka, gave me a job in Richmond City at Huguenot High School. I never worked in Richmond, didn't know anybody there just applied for the job, got the job. And it was rough because I was teaching three classes as a full-time teacher and doing this job full-time. I was a biology teacher, so I wasn't a PE teacher. I didn't, you know, people like, oh, you PE teacher, get relaxed. I was teaching SOL classes, you know, and doing lesson plans, grading papers. And it was, it was a lot. But I think with all of that, I, I'm not going to say it was a C, could I do it? But I made it. And it was a transition that helped me stay focused. And I'm, and I, as a, people say, you grind all the time. But I was literally during the week, uh, Jake, I was teaching classes, three classes during the week, interruptions upon interruptions, 
radio going off. They would call my cell phone. They would call my classroom. If I didn't answer the phone, they would come knock on the door. So it was a lot of interruptions. But at the end of the day, I think it helped me to be efficient enough to multitask that I could keep up. So during the week, I would handle all of my athletic things during the week. And then weekends, I spent Saturdays and Sundays doing my lesson plans for the week. My oldest son played travel baseball. So sometimes I was at, I was at baseball games grading papers, sitting in a chair waiting for the next game to start. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm grading papers. And I'm doing lesson plans and things like that. But it helped to ground me. So a lot of people may not know background of why I'm always doing something or trying to grind. But I try to do it because it's in me. And I want to make sure that I am not disservicing any student athlete or any adult, my administrators or anybody by letting down and not doing what my you know job entitled tells me that I should do because we all know it says and other duties that are unassigned to you. Uh, and so having an opportunity for Ms. Baraka to be at Richmond um, City Schools and Huguenot High School mainly for five years was a definite uh, teaching tool, definite lesson, uh, definite, um, I would say, hustle. Um, when I got there, we had nine sports. I left, we had 17. So it was definitely a hustle to make sure that these kids have equal opportunity that the other kids are having in the other school systems. And then I left uh, Richmond City and came back to Chesterfield County. I had worked in Chesterfield County before, and I came back to Malothian High School and just thankful that um, Dr. Abe, which is my principal now, gave an opportunity because I know there were a lot of people that applied for the job. I probably was the only female that applied for the job. Uh, but however, I'm thankful that the opportunity was there. And so as I move forward in um, athletic administration, just trying to you know, promote our school the best that I can, but also I want to be prepared so that they can't say, oh, she's just not that direct. That's all she does. I want to make sure that I, as the individual adult, prepare myself as well as I'm helping my school you know, know that, okay, you have a qualified person there that's leading your school. And I'm thankful for the opportunity that I've had from both of the two principals that have hired me. And what, a, uh, it's always great to hear these stories. And again, going back to where you talked about that first coaching job and you didn't get a chance to pick your assistants, you know, developing those young teams, right. you know, all of those lessons, I'm sure, you know, still impact you today as you deal with yeah. kids and coaches and parents. Um, you talked a little bit about some of your principles that you have most recently worked for. And in our profession, you know, we always talk about the importance of leadership and mentorship. Right. So let's go back maybe to the beginning. Who were some of your mentors um, growing up? You know, maybe teachers or coaches uh, or, uh, you know, those people that, that you still hear their voice in your head uh, when you're talking with one of your coaches. So I would say one of my, well, definitely my parents. I mean, my parents were, my dad worked nights. Uh, my mom stayed at home. Their mom went to work. So it wasn't like they said, I want you to do a sport and I want you to be great. It was self-ingrained to me to work hard, be successful. And I knew that I was good in sports. And so I want to make them proud, although they didn't come and they didn't watch a lot. I wanted them to make them proud. So when I got home and I had well, you know, back then they gave you ribbons, you know, for first place and stuff like that. Or when I got came on with a, a medal, you know, I could show them that I was good. Like I did really, really good. And so I would hear my mom tell people sometimes the stuff that I was doing, although she may not have said it to me. So I know that she, you know, she was proud or whatever. Um, but Coach Cooper was one of our uh, track coaches. He was a boys coach, but all the kids, every kid loved Coach Cooper. 
he had us in the weight. My first time lifting weights, he had us in the weight when we were lifting weights. And he was on us so hard. Like it wasn't because you were a girl, you can't do it. I mean, we were squatting 225 pounds at the time when I was in high school. I'm like, oh my God. Now I'm like, oh my God, can I still do that? You know, but he made us strong. It wasn't like you're going to just go out here and win. You want to go out here and blow it out the water. So I was confident, not cocky. I was confident in high school that I knew I could beat you. If I step on the line, I'm probably going to beat you. But I knew that in life, you got to have those skills beyond if you're good, what happens when you're not good anymore? What happens when you can't run anymore? Playing basketball, I mean, I knew I could just take a girl. I just, I mean, it, it is what it is. But I had to have something else besides it. So, so what if my night was off and I wasn't scoring? What else can I do? What I think sometimes kids don't understand, you got to have other things than just that, that sport. What else do you bring to the table? What else can you do? What other drive do you have? So he definitely drip. I mean, he drove us and drove us and drove us, you know, that he wanted us to be good. Like he wanted us to be good. He wanted us to be successful. It wasn't anything that we couldn't do. And it, it was just more of, I want you all to be successful. My cousin going to Virginia State University, um, he graduated, he's a Q. But I knew I wanted to go to a uh, historically black college at HBCU because of him. So I knew like, oh my God, I'm about to go to college because in my family, so when you talk about mentors in your drive, I was uh, in my mom's family and my dad's side of the family. I wasn't a first grandchild. I was probably like number eight, nine in the line. I was a first grandchild to go to college and graduate from a four-year school. So it was like, I wanted to be better so that if my cousin saw that I did it, then they want to do it too. And we've had more to go to college, but I was the first one. And my uncle, whom I love, he's in the military. He and I, I got my master's degree. He had just got his bachelor's degree because he was in the Navy for 40 years and got his um, bachelor's degree. We graduate the same exact day. So I was getting a master's degree. He was getting a bachelor's degree. So, you know, I think that, you know, people mentoring me and letting me see what professionalism looks like and what it looks like to be professional, what it looks like to be successful. You know, and I think sometimes I coach like Coach Cooper uh, because he was, oh my God, he was hard on us. And I thought he was too hard sometimes, but I was the same with all my girls. Well, not my girls, but my basketball team, I still call them my girls. Absolutely. I was hard on them. And I know that I was hard on them, but I wanted to get the best out of them. And they are all successful. I mean, we call and text to this day. I've just finally got on Facebook. So they hit me up on Facebook sometimes, but, you know, just success. And I just saw one of my girls in the store yesterday. I was just at the mall, just saw her in the store. She looks amazing. She's like, oh my God, you look the exact same. I'm like, oh, wow, thank you. <laughs> you know, but, you know, just to see that and to know that you've touched them and people before you touched you so that you could be successful. So, I mean, I take lessons from a lot of people um, because every day I'm trying to learn something from someone. Like I'm trying to learn, you know, how to do something different. I learn a lot from my principal, Dr. Abel. I learn a lot from him um, because he is so motivated. He loves our school. He goes 110%. He's probably texting me right now, 110% for our school. Uh, but he just wants us to be good and wants us to be the best. And I, I um, take ownership of that as well. So I've been mentored by a lot of people. Sometimes I don't even know if they, ment they, they know that they mentor me or not but they mentor me to be better. Academically, I would say right now I'm getting my doctoral degree. I know it sounds crazy, Mr. Von Scher, but just like I, um, Dr. Gordon uh, is actually a help and a mentor uh, for me as well. 
to make sure that you're going to be successful because yes, you're working hard and you're working 50 and 60 hours a week. Sometimes we won't even know we work that much, but to have another opportunity to what happens when this time runs out for you, what else are you going to do? You know, so I take lessons every day from a lot of people. Um, again, maybe they don't know that they mentor me, but I just look at their life and patterns and figure out what it is that I can do. Being a CAA, uh, CAA I never even thought I would do that. But then as I got into our organizations, I was like, oh my God, this is something I really need to do. It's going to really help me. It's going to open up other doors and other avenues, which it has. And I am so, so thankful that I've done that as well. So uh, again, I really appreciate you sharing all this because it's a great reminder to all of us that you know we didn't get here by ourselves. We had people Correct. that were pushing us and holding us accountable. Right. Um, you've been at uh, a couple different schools. Obviously, you've had some great success. One of the things we like to do at the podcast is share what we call best practices. So mm -hmm. as you look at your programs and, and what you've been able to uh, mm -hmm. develop, what are a couple that you take particular pride in. And you can look at with, as I say, equal parts, pride and humility. Boy, we do this better than anybody else. What are a couple of best practices you can share with us? I would say one thing is social media, I think. <laughs> the Midlothian High School, athletically, we're good. Like we're good because my principal, I wasn't a social media person. Like literally, Jake, I had no social media, zero. When I went to Melothian, none. And so my principal stepped up and he said, I need you to take care of the, take over the Twitter page. I was like, what? I don't have a Twitter account. He's like, I need you to make one. I'm like, okay. So I do that. So when I, when you say best practice, I think getting your schools out there, teams out there, social media has been a blessing because we are there. And so some of my colleagues, they joke on me a lot. And they're saying, oh, let me make sure my picture is right because I know Shay's going to post a picture. Let me make sure my picture is right. So I look at it as, oh, well, y'all are watching my Twitter my, and my IG page. Okay, cool. You know, so I think it's a blessing that, you know, hey, they're looking at like Midlothian is a top. But, I mean, we're really not, but I think we are. So if y'all think so, then great. So I think one of the things is to get your teams out, to get your kids out there. Let the kids know you take a picture of them. Sometimes I do a live video. And they were like, is this on, Ms. Collins? I was like, yeah, it's on, y'all get in. They are like, okay, then you know, they start going off. So I think one of the things is to connect with your kids. Yes, we are, quote unquote, the director and we're over them, but let them see us be normal adults. Like we can't always be the leader, the leader, the leader, the leader, the leader. Yes, we are the leader. I, you know, I'm, kids know I'm, I'm their leader. I mean, they know that, the coaches know that. But what can I do? to be with my kids and my coaches because we are a family. And if the mom always has to punish and never give rewards, you don't wanna to go to the mom, you don't go to dad because dad's gonna let you do what he wants to do. So I try to embody that as well, that we are a family. So I would think another practice, not just put your kids out on social media, but also promote your school, but also let them see you be a normal person. Like let them know that you are there for them as well. We, um, at our football game, our cheerleaders, uh, they do push-ups for every touchdown. And now they do jumping jacks. So one, um, we were at a game and um, it was, uh, we were playing the Cold Bowl. We played James River High School. And so the score got past 40 something. So I was standing down there and the kids, you know, I'm like, well, y'all about this, about to push. They, they said, no, we're doing um, jumping jacks. You want to do it with us, Miss Collins? I was like, oh my God, I, I don't have on the right shoes. I got the right clothes. I'm dressed up, you know, at a football game, we're dressed up. But 
And, and they was like, yeah, come on. So I did them. We had to do 40 something. So <laughs> they all were like, oh my God, let's go. Oh my God. But it was more like I was one of them then. Mm-hmm. Like they saw me different than dressed up or leading us or telling us what to do. They saw different. And one of my parents, the very next day, we had uh, um, we had we owned a gas a gas pump at the local gas station up the street. It has our school name on it. And so we had a pump war with another school. So I was there and one of the parents come up. She's like, oh, my God, you were doing jumping jacks. She was like, I was like, oh, my God, she's going to fall out. But you did them all, you know. (laughs) And so I was like, yes. I said, when these kids challenge me, I got to tell them, like, no, I'm an athlete for real. I might not like, you know, got a uniform on. I'm like, I'm an athlete for real. Like, y'all just don't know. I'm a real athlete, you know. So anyway, she was excited about it. So I would say the other thing is just to sometimes go where your kids are. Like meet them there. You know, we are, we are their leaders, yes, but meet them there. The third thing I would say is to connect with your coaches on a personal level, not be in their business, but on a personal level to let them know that you see them, you hear them, and you are there for them, not just to push this sport upon them. For example, one of the things that I did this year um, before we left for the pandemic back in March, the VHSL was um, had us into uh, – trying to do inside out coaching, right? And so uh, with uh, Joe Ehrman, with the book, we got, we, were, we got the book. And so they said they wanted to challenge us to do a book study with our coaches. But when the pandemic hit, we left and we didn't go back to the session. We had the session on Zoom, which is everything went to Zoom, you know? And so I said, you know, I got to find a way to connect with my coaches because prior to me coming there, my coaches told me this, they had never had a face-to-face meeting. Everything was email. I was the first AD that came to them saying, hey, we're going to have a meeting. And they were like, like, we're having a real meeting? Like, we're coming to a place? And I was like, yeah. I was like, don't y'all always do that? I was like, we've never had a meeting. We haven't had a meeting in years. And so that was the first thing I think that connected me with them, that I am here to help serve you, not you do what I say do. We are together in this realm of athletics and Midlothian High School. So I did the book study actually in September. And we had three sessions. I had them all labeled out. I gave them the handout. I brought the book for every coach, um, gave them their own copy. This is for my head coaches mainly. And I invited them to come. I didn't say you got to come. I just invited them to come. I said, we're going to have a book study. This is what's going on. And I would say out of 19 head coaches um, that I have, well, 17, because two of my coaches coach two sports. So 17 head coaches. I had 14 coaches show up within the three sessions. Some of them showed up through all three. But most of them show up at least two. And it wasn't that I was, you know, given a grade. I wasn't taking attendance. I saw the attendance, actually. But it turned into us talking about best practice for our school, not me telling you what you should do and how you should gauge your kids. It was how can you make your kids feel better about being in your program? And one of the things I used was if you have, you know, 12 kids on your team, 20 because you know, a lot of teams get bigger. You have 20 kids on your team and your kid just got put out the house. They're hungry, house caught a fire. Um, one of their parents died. You know, the parents separated, divorced, whatever. If 10 to 12 of your kids can't call you, you're not doing your job. Because if two kids think to call you and not 10 or 12, you haven't connected with your kids. You're coaching them, but you're not connecting with them. And I, don't, and I tell my coach, you don't have to be in their business. It's not about being in their business. 
but it's about you understanding them and they understanding you as an adult and as a coach. And so I think that that's the other thing that I try to instill in my coaches, um, that we are a family and that we are together in what's happening at Melothian High School. It's not just me. It is all of us are together in what's happening. So those would be my best practices, I would say, that would help um, someone to gauge their program because you can't make that connection with your coaches, let alone your student athletes, then your parents aren't going to follow you either because your parents are watching you when you don't think that they're watching. Like that parent, she came to me to guess, she's like, oh my God, I thought you were going to fall out. So they're watching. They're watching what you're doing. They're watching that connection that you have with the kids when they are not there. What are you doing to help their child be successful? So that's what I could say. Hopefully I answered the question right, but that's what I would say would be the best practice for me. Oh, I mean, there, there's no right or wrong, but it's all great stuff. And I'm so glad you you hit on those two points about making those connections <laughs> with kids. And there's a million ways to do it. And also connecting with your coaches, because and you alluded to this, that's what creates the culture at your school. And then it's the students and the coaches that are perpetuating and keeping things going. Right. It, right. It's not, you know, us as athletic directors, you know, trying to cram something down their throat. It's, it's <laughs> right. A, it's a culture. This is yeah. how we roll. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when you, you the word you just used, cramming down their throats, I think when they first saw book study, they're like, oh my God, I cannot believe we're doing a book study. Like she is crazy. Book study, I ain't coming. You know, I ain't, ain't a word, but I ain't coming. But it wasn't that way. It turned to something totally different. Yes, we use the concepts in Inside Out Coaching, but we tailored it to fit our school and what our coaches are and who our kids are. You know, because our school, we don't have a lot of um, inner city kids. You know, we don't have a lot of uh, low income free lunch students that you try to reach because you got to give them a home away from home. You know, but what is different in our kids? But our kids need true connection from the coaches, not just coach me and send me on my way. You know, so. I tell it to fit our, um, our program. So. Shay, another question that we've been asking our athletic director since we started this uh, mm -hmm. revolves around, uh, you know, this idea of social awareness and social justice. And uh, I, I'm curious, you know, what are your thoughts on how we as athletic administrators can do a better job with our kids, our coaches, our schools in, in this um, area of, being socially aware? You know, great question. And I will speak first from an African-American female AD, athletic administrator, whichever word we want to use, DSA. I will say for me that I think people were looking at what I was going to do or say, because I was Black, you know? And I'm at a school that is predominantly white. I mean, everyone, if anybody Google my school, they will know that. Like, I'm not saying anything that isn't true, you know? So our population is changing at our school to be more diverse. We aren't there, but it's more diverse. So before the pandemic hit, I will say this to you when you talk about social justice. I noticed that there were issues at our school that were unaddressed for our African-American males and females. The pandemic hit in March, 2020. February, obviously, was Black History Month. Before I knew there was going to be a pandemic, I don't think anyone knew that. And before there was George Floyd that died and any of those things, I had already started a male, African-American male group at my school, Men of Trojan Blue. 
And I had already had people coming to talk to the kids. We had three sessions prior to this ending. Yes, I had snacks and things to promote, get the kids to come, but it was mainly my football players. And by the end, that third session, I had men that were not African-American stopping by the door to see what was going on. They were like, look in, but they were athletes. I said, come in, sit down guys. They was like, for real? So they kind of looked at the guys in there, but because they were all once, they played on the same teams with the guys, they felt it was okay if I come in. I said, yes, come on in, sit down. So I say that to say this, that it wasn't to promote black males, it was promote males period, who felt like they needed somewhere to belong. So when we say social justice or whatever we're talking about, we have to be intentional about making it happen. Words are great, but what do you do with the words that you're saying out of your mouth? If you say, I support you and I understand, do you understand what I'm going through? Do you understand what it's like for me to be a black male in a school that there's hardly anyone like me? Do you understand what it's like when I go home, you hear me, but do you understand what is happening in my life? And I also, with the help of uh, uh, Ms. Frias and Ms. Speller, one, one was our dean of student, one was a school counselor. We took kids to visit Virginia State University during Black History Month for HBCU experience. I had teachers asking, what does HBCU stand for? And I said, my God, what? Did you not know that? But I had to think quick, they don't know. This school has never pushed that onto our kids. They never. These kids have never gone to a college or visit to a black school ever in their lives. So it was like, oh my God, I'm bringing a different experience to these kids that they've never had. So I say that to say this again, if you're talking about it, what are you doing about it? You can't talk about and give a speech because black lives matter. What are you doing along the way to make it a presence and a mindset that people have to change. And when you talk about my program and when I talk about the program and what am I doing there, Jake, when I got in Lothian High School, I didn't have one black coach on my staff, not one. And I know somebody's gonna watch and be like, she's about black. It's not about that. It's about diversity. And if I say it in here, I'm gonna say it out here, but I'm gonna put action into it as well. I now have nine in three years, either assistant, coaches, head coaches, or volunteer coaches that are, that are coaches of color. And they're not all African-American. I have some of other race too. So when I say diversity, I had none at that school when I, got, when I took over the job. I hired my first black coach as a head basketball coach, Coach Giddens, when I took over the job. When I took over the job in March of that year, you know, school ends in June, but you know, as I got hired in March, April, I had to hire six coaches from the beginning of getting to that program. We have 33 teams. You understand what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I hired my first African-American coach. He's the first African-American coach of basketball at, at Midlothian High School ever, ever. So it is not about putting them there, but it's about if I speak it to you, I am going to put action into it because I think it's important. Because if, if, our, if our, I would say our population of kids are changing, so do the adults' mindset. And so should what they see match where they are. You know, you know, it's not about, okay, we are Chesterfield County. Now we got to have a, you know, diversity group and we got to do all these things because, oh my God, Black Lives Matter. Oh my God, we got social injustice. What are we doing with social injustice? Quote unquote is gone. There's always been racism. There's always, it's been there for years. 
but it hasn't been presented. And now I think because of a lot of things that have happened, we now have to take note and recognize. So when, when, when we say um, cultivate my program at Melothian, I try to do that, not just in words, but in action, even to, you know, helping our kids be able to see someone that looks like them, you know, reaching all the kids because, you know, kids always say, well, they're not going to pick because they always pick the same kids all the time at the school, which is true. But I want them to see different. Oh, you just got picked for this. Oh, okay. When there is an interview possible, I pick different kids. Hey, I want you to do this for me. Hey, can you just, okay, I'll do it. I'll call a parent and say, hey, I want your child to do X, Y, and Z. Is it okay? They're like, oh my gosh, sure. No problem. Because I want them to see our school. We have a diverse group of students. And I'm not just saying I want us to be diverse. I put it into action. I try anyway to put it into action because I believe in it. I want it to happen. And I want our school to be the best school in Chester County Public Schools. Yes, people are like, oh, my school is better than yours. That's great. But I'm in charge of Melothian and we're the best. And we're going to be the best at everything that we're doing. If it is diversity, cultivating our kids, cultivating our teachers' minds to be different. They got to think different. Everything is not, you know, paint the picture and all the colors match up. We got to see what else is in that picture that we can take from it to make it a whole thing. And our organization thrives off of that picture. How should the picture look and what should we do with that picture? So that's what I would say. And hopefully I've um, answered that for you. So, Well, again, I just truly appreciate you sharing from your heart. I know it's very meaningful. I love the point about the actions you know, speaking louder than words. We're going to do this before we go off, but if one of our listeners wanted to reach out, pick your brain on mm -hmm. this or some of the other things, mm -hmm. what's the best way that they can get a hold of you? So my email is Shay, S-H-E-A underscore Collins, C-O-L-L-I-N-S at ccpsnet.net. Um, I'm there. I'm also on LinkedIn as Shay Collins as well. I'm also on Twitter at 10S Collins um, on Twitter as well. So well, again, we're going to do those again at, at the end. Yes, sir. But, uh, thank you so much for sharing. You're welcome. But we're not done yet. Okay. Yes, sir. We always like to wrap up with what we call the athletic director's toolbox. <clears throat> you know, anyone that's been listening certainly knows that you are a, an outstanding athletic administrator. But right now, I'm going to challenge you to send out a brand new AD on their very first job. But I'm only going to let you put three things in their toolbox. What okay. three items are going to be found in Shay Collins's athletic director toolbox? Well, number one, I'm going to give them a mentor card that's going to have some list of some names on it. But I'm going to let them fill in their names because I want them to get to know the people that they're about to work with. So I'm going to give them a, a sheet of paper that has mentors and they're going to list those. So in my box, I'm going to have a card or a sheet, whichever one it is, so that I can write down and list people names. Um, then I'm going to give them a, you know, a couple of uh, little tools, like whether they want a hammer, whether they want nails, you know, <laughs> whether they want a ruler or whatever. But a ruler would help them measure success and what they can do. So, yes, you can't measure success, you know, with inches and yards. OK, I know that. But where did that ruler start? Like if you're trying to get to a foot, you're trying to get to twelve inch, you're trying to get to whatever. What are you doing on that ladder? How are you making it happen? What's step one? What is the second one? What is the third one? So I like to say, watch your program six to 12 months and see what happens. See what isn't happening 
and what is happening. And if you have already put some things that you want to do on your ruler for that first year, see which one of those actually are meaningful for your program right then. Because everything can happen overnight. None of us got to where we are overnight. It's a progress. So get that ruler and put some things on it so you can see how far you've come and what else it is that you need, you, you know, that, that you need to do. And the other thing I would say is to put some things that you like, like what, if for me, I like shopping, but I won't say I like shop. Um, but for me, I'll say a gift card uh, because a gift card, I would say something that you wear, I, I would you know, put a, a polo shirt. I don't wear them a lot, but I'll put one in there. Um, and then I'll put maybe, you know, some socks or a band or something like that. Because the reason why I say that is because if you find people that do something for you, what are you going to do to make them come back? A gift card, a shirt, you know, paraphernalia, school gear. People love free stuff. So put that, somebody's going to find it in my package because I'm going to hand that to somebody who's done something for me that they didn't know that they were going to do. They would get rewarded for but I appreciate everything that someone does for me. So if I'm going to give you a card, a mentor card, you'd be able to write something down, a little notebook, a little, you know, spiral notebook, whatever you want to call it. Have you a ruler, hammer and nails because you're nailing it. If you nail those three things on that ruler that you put out there, if you put six or if you only pick three and three were great, man, you just nailed it. Pop, pop that nail in it. And I just nailed that. And then having my gear in there to go along with me, something that I can give away because you're doing it for me, I'm going to reward you for it because why? I need you to come back and help me. Now I need you to volunteer because we don't have any money in our program, but I need you to come back and help me. So I'm going to give you something. So you're going to find those things like, it's like weird. Like, why does she have clothes in here? Why does she got a shirt? Like, why does she got a gift card? Because I'm going to give that somebody. So always keep something that you can give someone away. Because you never know the impact that that gift card, $10, $5, you know, whatever, that free polo shirt that they've never had from athletics, you never know what those things mean to them. And they will be your biggest cheerleaders and champions of anything you do. They may criticize you once or twice, but, or get mad because you pick somebody over them to do something. You'd be like, I didn't know you wanted to, yeah, I'm always going to help you. Why don't you just ask me? So I want them to fight over me. Like, I really do. But, you know, um, I think those are important things to, um, to have in your toolbox. So. Wow. Great, great stuff. Uh, obviously, anything about networking and, and building uh, those connections. I love uh, uh, the ruler analogy. You know, we always talk to our coaches and our parents about, yeah, we want to win. And right. fortunately, we win a lot. But that's not how we measure our success. There's a lot of right. ways beyond the scoreboard that we measure. And again, great reminder for all ADs. There's so much currency. There's so much goodwill in a t-shirt, in a gift yeah. card, uh, yeah. in a hat. So uh, great, yeah. great stuff. Okay. Yeah. Shay Collins, Midlothian High School. Thank you so much for being on the program today. Share with our listeners one more time how they can get in touch with you and, and pick your brain for some more great ideas. Okay. I will say, let me just say this first though, Jake. Again, I so thank you. It was such an honor. I am blessed beyond measure. I am thankful that you've chosen somebody out of Chesterfield County Public Schools in Virginia uh, to be on your podcast because obviously I watch you and I've listened to a lot of them. You can choose people from any state that you so desire any organization, any level that you so desire. 
and you chose someone for Chester County Public Schools in Virginia. So I am so honored, I am blessed, and I am thankful to you um, for just recognizing, noticing, watching, because as I tell my kids all the time, just like you, you're watching. I don't know who's watching me, and I don't know what they're picking up and what they're saying. So thank you so much um, for the opportunity. I am blessed beyond measure, and I am thankful for you um, for the opportunity. But if they want to contact me, um, Twitter is 10, the number 10, the letter S, and then Collins. So 10S Collins on Twitter. I'm also on Instagram. Uh, well, we won't go there because that's Melothian High School. Uh, but Melothian High School is on Instagram. Um, and uh, LinkedIn, I'm Shay Collins on LinkedIn as well. And then my email address is Shay, S-H-E-A underscore Collins, C-O-L-L-I-N-S at ccpsnet.net. Um, those are the ways you can contact me. Well, thank you for those very kind words. You you are too kind. Uh, and to our listeners, um, I've found out about Shay through the things that she's been talking about on social media. You know, saw her posts on Twitter and say, "Wow, that's pretty cool." Uh, saw you know posts elsewhere. So you know, get out there because that's where number one, your kids are. Uh, right. They're on social media. So if you're not on social media, you're missing a great opportunity to connect with the kids and the parents sometimes at your school. Oh, yeah. And it's crazy because you say social media. And when I said in the beginning, I had zero, I I realized that uh, my kids, I don't say my kids, but the students at our school <laughs> um, aren't really on Twitter. Only the athletes on Twitter because they have to post up. The kids are on Instagram. So mm-hmm. when obviously the pandemic hit, um, in September, I want to say, or was it August? But August or September, I started on, on Instagram. And oh my God, I got more followers on Instagram than I got on Twitter, you know? But it's a lot of my kids. So I take that advantage and I post pictures of them. You know, I each week we have a game, like right now, this week I'm going to post uh, like a fall sports, you know, watch what we did kind of thing. And the kids will see themselves. They love seeing themselves. I try to get different pictures of just different, you know, different kids that may not always get the attention because, oh my God, I get followers that way. Because I, now I look on Instagram, I got people that, oh, so-and-so is now following you. I'm like, this kid will never follow me, but I put a picture of them, you know, so like you just said, I think social media is very is very good for the kids. The kids, yes, there are some good into it. You know, of course, they're doing things that they're having the business sometimes too. But it's also a great way to um, to reach them. So again, I thank you so much for having me. Oh, absolutely. And again, the lesson is: if you want to promote your program, get on social media. Absolutely. absolutely. For our listeners, uh, remember the Zoom recordings of these interviews are being posted on the FIAAA Educational AD YouTube channel. So check those out. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. Come back again next time for another episode of the Educational AD Podcast.